My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a spy. My name is Chris Cherry, and I forgot that we do this. And this is Burn Noticed, a show we never will forget, and a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, wait until the end where we'll explain them because they've been through quite a few changes since our original, like, episode zero. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan or anyone who's ever worked on Burn Notice, please get in touch. Genuinely, you can send us connections, questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind, which one of you broke ranks to do at burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burnnoticedpod. And in both cases, that is burnnoticed with a D. Oh my God. No one can Check ever in. say anything slightly Traitors. negative well, they, I, about Brie no, Castellini they're, they're not a, and her no, associated they, products. They've labeled the email criticism. The subject line is criticism. This is a person who knew the rules and chose to say something anyways. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm so I mean, you, sorry you know that what we're the criticism like this. Do you, do you know what the criticism was? I posted it on Twitter. I oh. think I sent it to you as well. Oh, um, yeah, I know. The one about, oh, I you did, and I read it, internalized it, forgot it. It's that what we both it? say both with like an L. Both. We say, both. say both with an L. Yeah. It's a regional accent. We're from the middle of the country. We don't have any other accents. It's like yeah, when true. Canadians say sorry. <laughs> exactly. I I worked hard to like lose a lot of accent because I grew up in Texas. Whoopslinger is on our shit list. Oh my on God. both of our shit lists. On both of our shit lists. Both. Both. <laughs> both. I just appreciate that they <laughs> I appreciate that they labeled the email criticism. Criticism. I know. That's Fucking really good. Brutal. I appreciate that. I have I, I appreciate when people are polite and their rudeness. <laughs> um, uh, we actually had another listener reach out um, and I told them that we would address their comment on air because I didn't want to come up with an answer in email. <laughs> but uh, listener Devante Godfrey it, during our hiatus, which I think has been our longest hiatus so far, asked over the 10 hiatus. plus years... Yeah. Uh, so Devante asked, over the last 10 years plus since seasons one through four, I'm curious what you both think are the aspects of the show that have aged well over time versus the aspects that have aged poorly. See, this is interesting because I feel like this is literally all that we talk about. We're going to talk about it next week. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about things that age badly next week. Um, um, but like, I mean, are there like overarching elements to the show that you think like have aged well or at, the, at best age neutrally? <laughs> I, I, I think... That the thing that we talk about a lot, the thing that I talk about a lot, and the thing that the podcast is sort of about is like procedural episodic television. Mm -hmm. And the one thing about watching the show that I do appreciate is that it does seem like to be a skill that we've lost a little, you know? And like, I appreciate the efficiency with which it tells these stories. They're not always great stories. I do. But like... No, there's not. But I I agree with you. I was going to also say structure. Like, I think that the rigid structure, while in many cases it does hurt it, (laughs) I think also in some ways really elevates it. Because, like, when things are good, it's because they're good, uh, like, they're the best combination of the structural elements that, you know, prop up a great episode of Burn Notice. Exactly. And just not even, like, the rigidness of the structure as much as, like, 
the efficiency of the storytelling. Like, um, yeah, that's that's a good call. Sometimes a little establish too efficient, things efficient. really quickly, <laughs> and like, and it's just yeah, yeah. That's actually a good point. I because I've been watching uh, different television, obviously, since our hiatus started, and I'm like, especially Wait, you watch new other stuff, television I'm shows. I know it's blasphemy. It's unheard of for me. Uh, totally new chaotic behavior. Uh, but like stuff that's newer, I've noticed like, wow, it takes us a long time to get to the point because like there is no longer, you know, the 42 minutes that things have to sit in. Like, especially yeah. when you're watching stuff on streaming platforms, it's like, guys, we could have gotten to this scene so much faster. And one good thing about Burn Notice and its sort of era of shows is that I think that they, I think you're totally right. Like the efficiency with which we just enter, like we don't have to belabor anything. It's like, this is who this person is. Let's move on. Exactly. I do like, think that the voiceover has aged poorly just because most voiceover does. I just think it's, I mean, it's I've a little, never been sometimes a fan it's a little voiceover. spoon feedy. Yeah. Yeah, it's you got it. There's a fine line you got to walk. And even Veronica Mars, a show like built for voiceover every once in a while, it's like, okay, we get it. Like, let's, let's please right. continue. Um, but I do think that the show uses it better than sometimes newer shows do. I think. Because... And I think that that's an, an element of the structural. Exactly. Stuff. Like, um, we talked a lot in the past on this show about Outlander. And it's when that show started, <laughs> like. Oh my god. Yeah, it's a good example of a show that takes a while to establish a very basic thing. Oh my god. And like and just the voiceover on that show is just so pointless. It's clearly there because and like it, it does the author. Get, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Fucking Donna is obsessed with herself and her weird rape fantasies. Have you watched more of Outlander since our last podcast? You know, I don't think I have. I think I just decided maybe not. there's some really good stuff that happens and I want to have somebody who knows TV to talk about it with. But how, how, how far into it? Well, like all of it, there's not that much. I mean, it's not all of it. It's, I don't know. Maybe one of these days I'll like return to it again. (laughs) If I get like more into like Ron Moore shows from like after 2004. Oh, I, I was expecting you to say if I really want to like dig deep into heterosexuality again. If I want to um, really dig deep into heterosexuality, <laughs> it's like that's the show. If you like heterosexuality studies, your your one hundred and one is Outlander. It is. Oh, Anyways, what else but have yeah. you watched in our in our hiatus? What what is what's been on your docket during the hiatus? I'm trying to think that I've, what I've watched in my hiatus. Um, I in our hiatus has been since january we're recording this at the end of march so it's been almost two months since we've it has been recorded Um, a burn notice i i think the main thing that i've been watching lately is i watched the um first season of search party way back when it like aired essentially i think Mm -hmm. but then they didn't have season two available and so i just kind of like forgot about it but now it's on hbo max and so like i have been like burning through that because that's a great show you should everyone should watch search party it's very very good i tried watching it it was not my it was not my flavor it's uh, it is a show that like really understands its character psychology even when it sometimes holds it in contempt I mean, that does sound interesting, but yeah, I I watched the first episode and a half, I think, uh, also around when it first started and could not get into it. It's just, I I don't know. I think it's incredibly funny, but also very well plotted. Like, it's like, it's also one of those things that's like hard to talk about because like the thing that the show eventually becomes about is not what it's about at the start and like you don't want to spoil things. 
Sure. I want I want to I, I watched a show called Banshee that will talk probably come up. It's a Cinemax show from a couple of years ago. Uh, it's a very Cinemax show. It's about it's, I actually really like the premise. I don't know if the show is good or OK, but I watched all of it. Um, it is about a guy like a uh, career criminal who just got out of prison um, for being in for 15 years he decided to go to prison to like protect the love of his life and he after he gets out of prison he goes to hunt her down and it turns out she has a family and uh, he becomes the sheriff he like assumes a guy's identity to become the sheriff of that town because the guy dies in front of him and he's like well I want to have a reason to stick around so that I can like convince this woman to come back like and fall in love with me again um, so I guess being the sheriff's as good a reason as any and then, like, the show is just about this guy who, like, fakes being a sheriff in a tiny town in Pennsylvania. Um, and it's extremely violent. It's extremely No, that's sexy. what I've heard. <laughs> no, I remember when this show came out and, like, that was the read on it that I got. Yeah, it's a lot. It's like the a really violent good. action show that is also obviously <laughs> the re- Cinemax. But the like- reason that I wanted to mention it, though, particularly on Burn Notice, this podcast that we're definitely still doing. Hi, everyone. This episode's not very exciting, so we're doing a lot more top chatter. Um, yeah. But is one of the things that I hated, but also really like respected about Banshee is that like the the guy, the the central character, he's not smart, and neither is really anyone on his crew. And like whenever they have to deal with something in the town you know or like one of the big bads they have to take down he doesn't ever have a plan he just like wanders in and like kills everyone like there's at no point is there ever like a moment in like the heist scenes or whatever where you know it turns out that this was the plan the whole time you know like it's it's like if burn notice the worst michael weston's decisions were just like that's what they do every episode they're all dumb as sin and they love to punch and that's it there's not it's not more complicated than that they just walk like they don't have plans they just like get themselves a bulletproof vest and just fucking go like there's never a moment where there's a twist and it's like ooh, they were in on it the whole time Ooh, they had a better plan it's like no the plan is just walk in and shoot people that's it <laughs> and there's like something so refreshing about not needing to like watch tv writers pretend that they're smarter than they are so that their characters can be smarter than the average person these characters are I, absolutely dumber than the average person and it's they're like very consistent the entire season <laughs> recastellini <laughs> Lover of competence porn. It's true. Who gets mad when, like, characters don't have a plan. Here's this show about dumb people not having a plan. Listen, this is what I'm saying. It's like, I hate it, but I respect it. And he's cute enough that, like, I'll let him get away with it. But, like, I appreciate... Like, Mr. Banshee? What frustrates me is that there's a... Yeah, Mr. Banshee. Sheriff Banshee. Um, But what I... Like, what pisses me off is when, like, a character... (laughs) <laughs> it's when a character is supposed to be smart and they make bad decisions because the plot needs them to or because the writers aren't smart enough to write somebody smart that's what pisses me off this show never pretended to be like a big like you know galaxy brained heist show it's just a dumb idiot who's really good at getting punched and really good at punching punches his way through quote unquote justice in a small town in Pennsylvania also there's the Amish are there 
And also, more problematically, there's a lot of stuff that it relates to, like, the Native American reservation that's near wherever this fictional town is set. And there's a lot oh. of storylines in there. Season three's villain who kills, like, the the new love interest of the Sheriff Banshee guy. Uh, the villain is one of the Native Americans from the local tribe who is like, gone like feral in his hatred of white colonizers and i'm like but he's right and like the show is also kind of like well he's right but he can't be for the kind of thing we're doing so we have to kill him and have him do something so unforgivable that is beyond the scope of his original sort of like thesis that it's okay that we kill him with a shotgun two inches away from his face and see his entire side of his face be blown off and his eye socket, his eye like pop out of its socket and hang in the empty cavern of his face. Chris, this show, I can't, sometimes I can't believe that I watched it. (laughs) It sounds like this show is better at being Walker, Texas Ranger than Jared Padalecki's Walker, Texas Ranger show. Have you watched Jared Padalecki's Walker, Texas Ranger show? Actually, no, I haven't. Who knows? Maybe it's great. I haven't it's either. Not. Yeah, maybe it's maybe not. I'll watch that next. It's not going to be. Yeah. I mean, Jared Padalecki is the leading man. There's no fucking way. The only reason that Supernatural worked is because Jensen Ackles was there. Exactly. And, and then, then eventually, eventually Misha Collins gave, was there. Yeah, they gave Jensen Ackles <laughs> And they gave him a boyfriend. Against. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, should we talk about Burn Notice? I guess... I will say, this episode is mostly about a dumb plan that's punching. <laughs> and I did it kind is. of respect I mean, that about it. That's what I thought about it. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just gotta get dumb and punch. Yeah. Um. So tell me about this episode, Bree. Uh, this episode, by which you mean Season 5, Episode 1, Company Man. It aired June 23rd, 2011, so almost exactly a decade ago, and was written by Big Daddy Nix and directed by Steven Sergic. They're, they're pretty predictable about their season openers and finales. Always written by Matt Nix, always directed by either Matt Nix or like a, an old old favorite. Yeah, an old hand. We, we don't want anything new or interesting. We just no, want... God classic right off the you know they're right always the shooting block. for a great episode of burn notice although this is not a standard episode of burn notice um yeah not really it's not really uh so just to put a finer point on it the imdb description of this episode will explain a little bit about what makes it different now employed as a cia asset michael travels to caracas with sam and fee to find the man who burned him which is uh, misrepresentative because it's not the man, I don't think. Like, we've already met the man who burned him. That was Toby Ziegler. Then we met the man who hired the man who burned him, who kind of told him to burn him, which is Fraser's dad. And then we met the man who, like, they used to help burn him, which was Simon. Like, oh, and then we met Vaughn, who actually made the call to burn Michael. So we've yeah. met, like, five people who have burned Michael. I don't know who the fuck this dude is, but... Here's the thing. I, this is this a seems dude. like an inaccurate... <laughs> <laughs> an inaccurate understanding of the what happens in this like, episode. This is a this is the dude that the episode sets up as like the person with the answers. Like he exists to be the person with the answers, and that's like mm-hmm. it. But um, it's not the man who burned him. So IMDb description writer, get your shit together. But like it, yeah, it in a story way, it kind of needs to feel like that. Because otherwise, why would we care that there, we're going to Caracas for this one rando? Yeah, exactly. No. And, like, it has to be about the fact that, like, Michael will never get closure. Yeah, which I, I actually did really like. But we'll get to that. That's the very end of yeah. the episode. And it won't take us long to get there. So let's just get started. So the first thing I noticed is that they still haven't added Jesse to the intro. Poor Jesse. He's also, like, barely in this intro. episode. 
Yeah. But yeah, he's he's official he's been main cast for a season now. Like he is credited in the, like before uh Sharon Glass and Bruce Campbell. Like he is part of the, you know, main five. So <laughs> we can't just ADR a little bit of like, and the guy who's kind of me, but younger and meaner. Uh, exactly. you know, like Here's what, the thing. come on. <laughs> I don't think they have like a they don't have a little thing yet. I think that's why. And that's kind can't of the central that... problem with Jesse. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And the spy you burned, yeah. who for some reason has forgiven you and fully forsaken his life in the government the way you should have three seasons ago. Michael Weston. Anyways, uh, so after we see that Jesse is still not cool enough to be in the intro because he is not distinct enough as a character, uh, we have a little montage and VO chunk of like Michael being like, it's really hard to find all these bad people. You have to do like so much work. And so that's the montage. Uh, and then we we end the montage with Michael and Max, his CIA, like not handler, but like contact. They keep guy. saying contact. Yeah, so Max is his contact. We'll meet, We'll see Max a lot. So that's who he is. Uh, they're going into like a secure facility to pick up a guy to get information. Uh, they don't like each other that much, apparently, because Michael is mad that he's not in charge and Max is mad that Michael is so special. Um, <laughs> outside in the in the van, their man in the van is Reigns, a.k.a. Dylan Baker. Dylan Baker. Who... We like to pretend like we know. I guess Michael knew him from before, but like we don't know the background. We just it just it is implied that they have known each other and worked with each other before. Yeah, this. like this is supposed to be like his weird sort of like mentor figure or something. Yeah, who knows? Dylan Baker's there. He is in the in the van and he's like, "Stop arguing with each other and go get this guy." They get the guy. Uh, and then Michael's like, "Cool, we're going to go interrogate him." And Dylan Baker's like, "Actually, you're going back to Miami." we'll interrogate him without you and michael's like oh but i want no i need answers and dylan baker's like tough shit and oh then my the god end of the open. that delivery it's literally <laughs> the delivery max of, I need or dylan baker says like we get it we you know you want answers and then jeffrey donovan goes no i need answers and like the camera there's like a dramatic zoom and then like hard cut to the credits (laughs) yeah it's like no we know we get it we've watched four seasons of this michael don't you worry buddy um so then the cold open ends with fee aggressively undressing michael immediately answering the question of where they're at which i did enjoy unfortunately michael is back in enough to not be able to tell fee where he's been which i find irritating like he's so professional in a way that i find like unbelievable frankly like you can't tell her like oh yeah we were in poland this time like what's she gonna do with that information and how are they gonna know that this you is told michael her? weston brie why don't i know Ugh. he's such i don't know why you're surprised awful little oh it's so annoying though like i thought that like if they're this close still you know you can't tell her like because next episode he just like throws all this out the window and is immediately like fee can you like do my caa job while i do this other job so clearly it doesn't last very long. It just seems wild that he can't even tell her, like, where they are. Bree, you have to understand that now Michael is a company man. <laughs> he's not even. He's just an asset. He's still technically burned. Yeah. But, like, he wants to not think that he's burned. Yeah, that's why he's all salty about Max being there. He, he exactly. calls him, like, senior agent. 
clearly he's not happy with that. But anyways, um, Fee is not only frustrated with Michael that he won't tell her even where he has been. So like, it's not even relevant anymore. You know, it's not like she can do anything about it. Uh, but not only that, but she also wants back in, you know, she misses going on adventures and helping people. So she's kind of double frustrated. And Michael's like, uh, uh, then the next morning he goes checking on Madeline. She's like explosion (laughs) frustrated. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> she's sexually and explosionly frustrated but don't worry if he gets hers someone who's not getting hers and who continues to not get hers to a pretty extreme degree next episode is madeline who michael goes to see the next morning uh he also finds sam there just hanging out at madeline's house which is you know totally normal uh he's showing off his post fall of sam axe weight so he's looking good our boy yeah, is like, looking I, trim i love that they feel the need to comment on this yeah, because the thing is, if I had, if they hadn't brought attention to it, I wouldn't have noticed. He wears the same no, clothes would not as have. always, which make him look bigger than normal. Yeah, I'm sure he does look better. Like, yeah, he's like always wearing these long drapey shirts. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. I literally uh, <laughs> would not have noticed. Not to, not to like say that Bruce Campbell looks bad or anything. I like, I just think he looks he's the a same. Big guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, he does look good. Uh and also he, he is there to show off the mangled remains of the charger. Um, and also showing off the mangled remains of the charger is Jesse, who's apparently not supposed to be there. Uh and the reason that he's not supposed to be there is because he's supposed to be back with the government, but it turns out Jesse just fucking quit. He likes the vigilante life way too much and now works as like a security consultant or something. Like he's not like yeah. a security guard, but he no, works no, no. for some he's local like- company doing security yeah no he's like a security contractor like and like he works with a company that like has money like he like it's jesse is the real version of the guy that michael pretends to be a lot whenever like michael has to like talk to like a ceo or like a rich person he's always like yes i'm a security guy like that's Mm -hmm. just that's Jesse's actual job. Yeah. Yeah. So so Jesse's basically living the life that Fee has been begging Michael to live for years now. Um, but before Michael can really unpack any of this with his boys, in addition to unpack the, you know, mangled remains of the charger, he gets a call and it turns out Dylan Bacon spoke too soon. Dylan Bacon. <laughs> Dylan Baker spoke too soon and needs Michael to come help with the interrogation in D.C. Um, and so when we get Literally, there, it is established. They, no, here's the thing. Dylan Baker and Max send him home just so he can have these two scenes <laughs> exactly like it's pointless like yeah it's so bizarre they wouldn't just let him tag along just like well let's see if it works out because like you know michael was pretty important to this organization presumably he might be of some assistance <laughs> like literally there's no reason for like them to have sent like i don't know why he couldn't have just done the fucking like interrogation and then gone home well because i think so i think that it's two things in addition to like needing to send him home for these two scenes uh i think part of it is that they want to establish that like the cia because michael's not officially on payroll or kind of just jerking him around he is very much at their whim so you know he might be involved but like he is definitely not in charge which i think is part of it and the other thing i think they're trying to establish is the overconfidence of the cia Despite, you know, Michael being able to do so much on his own with just a handful of friends for the past couple of years. So I I like it, it's clumsy, but I think that's what they're trying to establish. With I don't know. It's just really weird. 
but it is very strange. Um, so we get there and we learn that the reason that it's so important that we break this guy whose name is like Hector um, is that like they just need one more guy whose name is Kessler and that's it. They've gotten the entire organization. So I guess off screen, Fraser's dad was killed or taken to a black ops prison. <laughs> I guess Frazier's yeah. dad's just done because Kessler's not Frazier's dad. I like looked it up before we got to the scene where we no, meet no. Kessler and I'm like, is Kessler Frazier's dad? Is he managed? No, no, it's a no, new I person. I guess management's yeah. already, <laughs> management's been taken care of. Uh, I guess Carla's been dead for a while, so she's she's fine. Um, yeah, no. Was, did is Simon Vaughn dead? Die? What happened to Simon? Yeah, wh- yeah, exactly. Like, where's Vaughn? All of these where people that Vaughn? we actually know and then the last guy they have to kill no, is just some Vaughn dude we've die, never though? met. I don't remember. He might have. They were in an accident. Did. Oh, maybe he did with the list. Yeah. It was Vaughn from Burn Notice Dead. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, Bree is looking this up. We're I'm very good at up. hosting a podcast about Burn Notice. We remember all the <laughs> No, his status is incarcerated on the Burn Notice wiki. Hang so, on. yeah. What the hell? Because it really seemed like Vaughn was in charge. Um, uh, yeah, Vaughn re-enters the picture after Brennan emailed him a copy of Michael's deposition to Jeffy's handler. Vaughn uh, in Last Stand, which is the season finale. Michael, Vaughn, oh yeah, no, Vaughn was taken into custody. Okay, so he was already arrested. So we didn't need to go get Vaughn because he was arrested. Apparently, well, no, last yeah, episode. But I'm just. It seems like Vaughn. They haven't established. And they never really establish who Kessler was in the hierarchy. Was Kessler just Vaughn's that he knows boss? things? It, well, like, I thought management was Vaughn's boss. Or yeah, Vaughn was part thought, of management. I thought Vaughn was part of management. <laughs> yeah, the hierarchy of the macro plot has never made a whole lot of sense. But in any case, Kessler's left, and the only person that they can get information out of to find Kessler is this guy named Hector, who he randomly picked up fucking somewhere in the cold open. Um, the, the, they put on like a big intimidating show, like Max, like unplugs the big security camera and it'd be like, all right, now Michael Wesson's coming in and there's going to be no record of it. So you better be on your best behavior. And then Michael comes in and makes a big show of like, there's actually another secret camera that I'll have to disable to make sure that we're really alone. Uh, and so he disables that. And then like the guy starts panicking, like, Oh, don't hit me. And Michael like puts his chair down. He's like, I'm not going to hit you. Come on. Michael picks up his chair to move it like he is going to hit him with the chair. Like, I mean, you know, he's doing his little psychological warfare. Exactly. Like he picks it up and then he puts it down. He's like, why did you think I was going to hit you? I'm just a nice guy. (laughs) And then like within 30 seconds, the guy is singing like a bird, like immediately is like, fine, here's all the information. And all Michael Weston had to do is say, no, I definitely will get him. Don't worry. And he's like, okay, I believe you. Yeah. I I wish Michael had something more interesting to do in a scene where we're trying to establish, like there's a reason that the CIA needs him. Because, like, we established yeah, that better towards we... the end where, you know, his improvisational thinking can kind of get him past obstacles that, you know, CIA may not be able to get past doing everything so rigidly. But, like, he didn't do anything differently in this interrogation than what I assume the other guy did. He just spoke exactly. with more confidence, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's that's so again. strange. Because, like, you're saying, like, the writers aren't smart enough to write him be smart. This is the thing. The Banshee writers know they're not smart. And they're like, man punch 
man dead. It. That's it. That's as complicated as this episode's gonna be. So they they know where Kessler is. Uh, and now Michael convinces Dylan Bacon to let him... I keep saying Dylan Bacon. Jesus. I thought that's how he was on uh, purpose. It wasn't. It's really not on purpose. Um, Michael convinces Dylan Baker to let him bring the ex-seal and his girlfriend, but not Jesse, apparently, uh, with him to Caracas to find Kessler with Max's team nearby. So he's yeah, like, Jesse hey, does not they need to be, to be involved in this episode. again. No, Jesse is there in the beginning, and I don't even think he's there in the end. He's just there in the beginning, just to, like, establish, hey, Jesse's here. He's going to get his paycheck for this episode. Yeah. Um, This is what he's been up to. But yeah, no, he does not get to be involved in this. No, but but Sam and Fee get to, and the next time we see them, they're, like, exhausted, getting off, like, several plane rides. Apparently, they've been rerouted all over the fucking, you know... Wow. Uh, they've been rerouted around the entire world to try and, you know, throw off did any Did you forget sense. the word for world? I did. I was going to say country, and that wasn't right. And then I was going to say nation. That also wasn't right. Um, the globe. I'm, frankly, I'm too, I'm too uh, relaxed. <laughs> like, I, yeah, things no, are you, going too good for me. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> you are way too chill. I, and, like, yeah, it's, it's been true. too long. Mm-hmm. Been here from, I've been in my childhood home for a month and a half. Neck and deep in were, Republicans, and I've never felt And now better. you're podcasting like you podcasted when you were 14. <laughs> I was on radio shows when I was 14. My dad had a radio show about tech support, and sometimes I would be there as his youth consultant. Oh my god, really? Yeah. That's amazing. So they get there, they've been inconvenienced, they're unhappy with how the CIA does things, and then they get into the hotel where they're, like, stationed at to do this op, and they're even more unhappy because not only uh, do they all three have to stay in the same room, which I find very funny, but also, like, they're not allowed in a lot of the briefings, like, only Michael is allowed to, like, go talk to Max about the plan, blah, 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 blah. So Fee and Sam, like, very much feel like they're tagging along and not really part of things, and that seems to frustrate them but i also want to say that michael is dressed like sam in this episode or in this scene in the episode at least because they're like supposed to look like they're all on vacation so he's wearing a really baggy like hawaiian shirt open with a brown t-shirt because it is michael weston after all and cargo shorts and i'm obsessed with it it's such a weird look he looks like probably 20 pounds heavier in this outfit it's so strange his hair in this episode just looks is longer it's It's yeah he's got a lot longer hair yeah and like, but they're kind of trying to do the same like hair that they always do with him, like the same like hair like style, and like it mm. it's too big. It's like no, you need to do something else or cut his hair or something. Yeah, yeah, and Fee's hair is darker in this episode as or in this season as well. It looks good. She looks, she looks great, but yeah, her hair yeah. is noticeably darker than it usually is. A little bit more auburn. Than, uh, than blonde. Um, so what we learn in this briefing that Fee and Sam aren't allowed in is that Kessler doesn't travel much, so they can't hit him on the road without help because he's got like an armored vehicle. So Michael's first job down here is to make a new Russian friend with one of the security guys at a checkpoint that Kessler has to pass through to like offer him a bribe because they're like, he won't work with, you know, the Venezuelans. He won't work with 
the U.S., but if he meets another Russian, maybe he'll help. So, Michael, you're going to be your oh, Russian. The guy's guy. not. I, what, well, yeah, he's. I guess he's not Russian, but he. No, he might he's like Venezuelan. The Russians. Oh, yeah, he no, is he's Venezuelan, okay. but like they're going to have a cozy. But, some, but something, something. They thought that he, he speaks Russian. He's just rusty at it. So, like for whatever reason, they think that if they send in Michael as a Russian guy, this will get yeah, them. Yeah, because further. like Venezuela is more like communist. Got it. Okay. So that's what happened. I clearly wasn't paying attention. I was rushing to watch this episode so that I could take my dog to the store. Um, anyways, so that's what Michael's job is. is he's got to be Vasily Andropovich or whatever his name is. He's been this guy before. He's been Vasily before. Um, but he he's going to go do that. And so before he heads in, he scouts the checkpoint with his team, with his actual team, Sam and Fee. And Sam is super excited for Chuck Finley and his wife Darlene to cause a distraction. But the CIA already got them a vetted backstory under different names. And Sam looks positively crestfallen. He's so sad he can't be he can't be Chuck Finley. What's the point of all of this if he can't be Chuck Finley? They've also the CIA has also pre-made the car story. So like they're the prop the, what's gonna happen is that they are tourists with car trouble, and then they've already also pre-rigged the car with said trouble. So Sam and Fee basically have nothing to do. They're like props at best. Yeah. Um I mean they're they talent seem, right now. That's true. Yeah, they're 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 just Let's be very clear. You know. They are talent. Yeah, but they're like walk on talent. Like they're like they're like day they're day players at best. They are day they're players. not they're not involved actively in this process and they both seem very frustrated by that. Which I, I mean can they understand. get to say they get to say dialogue and they say more than like five lines <laughs> of dialogue. That's true. Um, and so they they do their very fun married couple bit, even though, you know, I feel like the soul's not really in it because Chuck Finley isn't the name of the couple. You know, it's not yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Chuck Finley. It's Mr. and Mrs. Winter or something. Um, then Michael is Vasily, camps out in the office waiting for his chance to turn this checkpoint guy. They start out talking in Russian, but then the guy's like, actually, my Russian's kind of rusty. Can we switch to Spanish? And Michael's like, uh, English? <laughs> in like a very bizarre amazing. Russian accent. It's so funny. I love that this runner has continued and that he refuses to learn Spanish. That he refuses to (laughs) learn it despite living in Miami. And like... Despite being a spy. Despite ending up in South America kind of a lot. And he's... Uh, It's so good. It's just... He'd rather speak English in a bad Russian accent. It's not a good Russian accent either. No, it's, it's worse like, than his Irish accent. And his Irish accent is also extremely bad. No, it's like fucking Chekhov from Star Trek accent. It's like nuclear vessels. It's like not good. No, it's really um, bad. Uh, but, but yeah, I love out. that we spoke into existence the fact that Michael can't speak Spanish. <laughs> yeah, don't any of you fuckers forget it. We made this happen 10 years in the past. We have yeah. that power. That's why you can't criticize us because who knows what we'll do with that power to you. Exactly. We can both, rewrite both, your history. <laughs> we will rewrite your entire fucking existence. Um, anyways, the the conversation seems to go well. Although so Michael, we can't like, rewrite history enough that Lucy Lawless <laughs> is a regular. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> our powers have limits, but you don't know which ones they are. So you better be careful. Um, so that so they have a conversation and Michael leaves to go to like a second location where they will have a longer conversation. Um, when the commander, the guy that they're trying to turn, shows up for this second location, he brings a gun because he called somebody at the Russian blah, blah, blah. And he's never heard of Vasily. And so the CIA people are like, oh, shit, 
we got to call this, like, we got to get Michael out of there. Uh, but Sam and Fee convince them, like, hey, give Michael a chance to work this guy. Like, have you never done a spy before? I'm also very surprised that the CIA, for, like, pre-fucking up a car and making, like, really deep backstories for Sam and Fee, they couldn't have also backed up the story of Michael, like, the linchpin of this whole situation. But they didn't think to do it. So Michael basically comes up with one on the fly with the help of, like, Sam, Fee, and the CIA guys, um, you know, he, he basically does some like mentalist shit and also is fed some information in his ear. And the combination of those convinces this guy that he's on the up and up. He's really Russian, despite the bad accent. He's for sure Russian and he's for sure working with the people that this guy knows. So everything's fine. He's going to help them get Kessler. Uh, there's a quick debrief now that the plan is in motion, but after that quick debrief, Fee and Sam pull Michael aside to continue to complain that they're not in on the action. They are being sent to, like, the airport or something to guard bags, (laughs) and Michael is going into the action, and they're like, this sucks, and he's like, sorry, it's how the CIA does it, and I am a company man. They are, that's true. Like, they were day players, they are now, like, watching the equipment. It's great. (laughs) Now they're PAs. They're PAs. They are now PAs. Although, (laughs) I think Michael is, like, it actually does make sense. Like, like, Michael says, like, no, like, they saw your faces, like, Mm -hmm. we can't, like, they saw your faces, like, I don't know if you can be You can't be, be like, involved, involved. And they're like, well, we can be nearby. We're always nearby. And he's like, no, that's not how we do things here. And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, again, to weirdly continue the filmmaking metaphor it's like yeah when you have a budget you specialize Mm -hmm. fee and sam are used to like really in no budget filmmaking where everyone Mm -hmm. does every role yeah they're bored Um, that they only have one thing to do and i mean to be fair they're definitely not being used to their strengths but yeah you're no i i agree with you and with the cia in like they do seem to be overly cautious in a way that i don't find believable given how much i know michael weston did prior to being burned maybe these guys are just like gun shy maybe they're not as experienced as michael weston be fair though, but like on the like... surface it does make sense like they seem to have a system in place that makes sense having like different departments be separate having people allowed to like really specialize and like having you know and ease of back and forth of who's in charge of what. No, it makes sense. And also, I do think Michael was technically a private contractor, right? The whole time? I thought, I no, I don't think he was a private contractor. I think he was, he was CIA, he was in the CIA enough to get burned. Well, yeah, but you could still burn a private contractor. Like, I no, think at I some think point he was, he, I think he was full CIA. Well, I mean, like, he was like on retainer. Like, I mean, like, when I say he was a private contractor, I mean, like, in the sense that, like, legally, he couldn't be connected to the CIA. You know what I mean? I, where are you getting this information? I just, from my memories of watching the television show Burn Notice. <laughs> it was implied that he was recruited to work in the spy after being a ranger in Green Beret. He served for 15 years working in Europe and the OPEC nations as a covert operative who did freelance work for the CIA. Oh, okay. So he was yeah, no, a like spy, he, but he, the, no, he he was only freelancing for the CIA. That's hilarious. Exactly. Yeah, no. But I think that's kind of the point, is that the, like, the CIA is going to do things like this. Like he is the, He's essentially like a special ops guy 
who has to be able to do a bunch of things by himself. Like, whereas, sure. like, people who work in the CIA tend to specialize more. Got it. He's, like, a digital video guy. <laughs> I'm glad we've continued this metaphor. Yeah. Anyway, so Sam and Fee are upset, but Michael leaves without them. Luckily, they don't go far because things like pretty much immediately go belly up at this operation. And luckily, Sam and Fee are nearby and then they can help a little bit. Uh, and then when like the when Max is like, well, we tried. <laughs> Everyone gets an A for effort. Uh, Michael's like, fuck that. Sam and Fee, I need your help. We're going after this guy. So Sam or so Michael just like motors after the escaping Kessler in his car, uh, cracking yogurt jokes and shooting it at goons outside of his big complex that they weren't supposed to be able to get into. Luckily, Michael is very good at spy stuff. So they do get into the complex. Uh, meanwhile, Sam and Fee um, like fuck up a choke point to prevent the cops from getting there too quickly. And um, while they're doing that, Michael and Max like storm the compound looking for Kessler, who unfortunately then locks himself in a safe room. And they're like, shit. And Michael's like, don't worry. I'm Mr. Burn Notice. And so he uses some of the grenades from the dead guards that they just killed to get into this compound to blow a hole in the wall of the safe room. Or I guess it's not even really a safe room. It's like there's a... There's a big metal door, but it seems to be otherwise just surrounded by drywall, which I feel like is against the point of a safe room. Like, isn't the whole point of a safe room that every side of it is safe? But anyways, he uses the air duct and he blows the hole in the wall of the safe room, only to discover that Kessler has not allowed himself to be taken in alive. He has shot himself in the safe room, which apparently they didn't hear. Did he use a silencer? What is the point of that? It's a and Michael very is very upset. Wound. It's like one of those wounds where someone dabbed like red corn syrup on your face. <laughs> yeah, it's a very little wound. But anyways, Michael sees him. He shakes the corpse a little bit because he's very upset that he's not getting his answers. My answers! Answer me! Uh, and I then need answers. <laughs> I need I didn't answers. just want them. And with some little fuckery that we will talk about in the spy section, he and Max escape. Everything is fine. Well, they're not At fine. One point, Michael didn't get his closure. No, Michael didn't get his closure. At one point, Mike, Max suggests that maybe the explosion killed him. Well, and yeah, he he was well he he was he was like Michael, you can't blow up the wall. What if we kill this guy? Don't we need him alive? And Michael's like, no, the explosion won't be big enough. It'll yeah. be it'll be localized. Blah, blah blah blah. Exactly. And then like later, like the explosion happens, they see him dead, and like Max is like, oh, did it actually kill him after all? And he's like, no, he shot himself. But like, what if it had? What if like Michael, in his rush to make this happen, accidentally killed this guy, and it was his fault? Well, that would have been a stronger but, but choice. He's, but he's Mr. Burn Notice, and this isn't about his how hubris will sometimes bite you in the ass. It's about how sometimes closure isn't a thing. I mean, it can be both things. No, the whole point uh, of this episode, Chris, was that Mr. Burn Notice should be working alone, and these CAA guys are just dragging him down. I mean, yes. Oh my god, I'm just like. <laughs> but no, I 100% agree with you. That would have been a much more interesting choice that then he has to deal with, and would probably complicate his like attempt to get back into the CIA as well, because like even that's not really cleared up at the end of this. Like they're like, no, you're still burned. Sorry. <laughs> at the end of this episode. 
episode. So like he's yeah. still very much in the doghouse, and I feel like but it would have definitely like, made it a little bit more interesting that jobs. like when he like his it, his way is faster, but sometimes that's not better. And you know yeah. the complicated relationship of like, well, what do you actually want to do, Michael? Like, what do you prioritize, and how is one of your jobs informing the other? You know, how is your behavior changing and maybe making you not good for the CIA anymore? But no, that's not what we did. He just shot himself. No. Kessler, the most important man in the in the whole organization, is dead. <laughs> Even though we've never heard of him before and we'll never, never meet him, him again. Before. Yeah. So they the final scenes are He's in Miami. Played There's... by like a noted character actor. I don't even think he has lines. No, he I doesn't. Think he He's just, just like dead. Yeah, he sh- well he shoots at them from a, a from a, a car and then he drives to his compound and immediately shuts himself into his safe room. And then the next time we see him, he's dead. Yeah, Kessler's no one. It's like f- really, really strange that this is the end of it. But yeah, you, um, you think they could have at least like hired someone who like is a name as a stand in for the fact that this person is important? No, that's too much. There was there were too many stunts in this episode. They didn't have the money to spend on a name. Were there? It felt like there was nothing in this episode. I mean, there were like, there were, I mean, well, the problem, the reason that there's nothing in this episode is because it's mostly stunts. It is mostly Like, stunts. it's them, it's mostly stunts, it's them, like, you know, breaking stuff. And yeah, this is just an action Room vrooming. Yeah. I mean, it's a Matt Nix episode. That's all that Matt Nix wants to do. Um, so I, there's only two more points on this bullet, this bullet pointed list. Let's just get through them. So the, there's a scene, a debrief scene in Miami with Max, which kind of makes me think that Max is the bad guy. We've seen too much of him and he's too boring and white to be anything other than maybe the bad guy. Because I don't trust that Burn Notice is going to stick with its the, the end of this episode, which is with Madeline, where Madeline goes to like, you know, mope. And Madeline's like, you know, sometimes closure just like isn't a thing. You know, your dad just died. I didn't get to confront him. I didn't get to leave him. He just fucking died on me. And sometimes that sucks. But also like, that's that's what happened. And closure is something that we make up to try and like, you know, be okay with bad things that are happening to us. And sometimes we don't get that. And we still have to go on. So get your shit together and fix this charger. I want my garage back. And like, I liked this moment. I thought it was good. I am a big fan of conversations about how closure isn't real because I do think that like humanity has gotten sort of complacent with the idea in narratives that like the only way that we can move on from trauma, the only way that we can move on from like a complicated thing happening is like, we have to get closure. Once we get closure, everything will be easier. But like, even when you get closure, if something happened that you didn't want to happen, you still have to deal with the thing that happened. The closure doesn't actually close anything. And I do no. enjoy when, when media unpacks that. No, I do like it's that. like, sometimes you just don't get closure. However, I don't trust bird notice. I kind of think that someone's still out there and Michael will still get answers. Uh, See, and I do think I that Max is going to be involved. So. Here's the thing. I think the reason that like Kess- like Kessler is a nobody and they're not and they're doing this episode at- about not getting closure is like Matt Nix and Co saying, "Hey, we're done with this plot. We stretched it out for four seasons. Like Michael's just a guy now. We we don't want to 
we don't want to do this anymore. Like, maybe we'll do it again in the final season. We kind of don't want to talk about the fact that Michael was burned anymore. We've been talking about it. Just like, See, that he- I feel like is something that you and I would do. I don't know if I trust them to do that. I'm on high alert. I would love for that to be true. Because again, I really did like this scene and I liked this moment. And I think that it is in some ways a weirdly satisfying end to four scenes of absolute nonsense about this whole fucking conspiracy. I like that it ends with a whimper and not with a bang, but I don't trust them. Here's why I think it is because I think it's the right choice narratively, but it's also the lazier choice. (laughs) I mean, that's fair. I still think Max is a bad guy though. I'm saying it now. I'm putting it into the canon. I think Max is going to cause them some kind of strife. I mean, Max might cause strife. I don't know if he's a bad guy. I think he's just like, uh, I don't know. Well, that's we your suspicion. This is mine. I think Max is bad. <laughs> I'm, I I want to have wild predictions at the beginning of seasons now, just to keep me going. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so this I is my wild prediction for the season. Max is a bad guy. What's your wild prediction? Fee's going to get a pixie cut. <laughs> All right. Well, we have clearly different understandings of just reality um speaking of reality let's talk about some real ass spy tips that i thought were at least interesting enough to bring to the table first rfid security she would look good (laughs) with a pixie cut i mean you're not wrong but also i've seen promotional imagery for the entire run of this show that's what makes it a wild guess That's not how we play the game, Chris. That's not how you play the game. All right. I think Spy she's going to get a pixie cut. <laughs> Number one, this season, she's going to get a pixie cut. She's going to move in with Michael, yeah. get a pixie cut. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. No, she's going to uh. move in with Michael. They're going to get in a fight and break up. Then, like, it's going to be a breakup pixie cut. Ooh, that's fun. Wouldn't you know it would have been cool if like they did break up like legitimately for a couple of episodes and Fee like got a haircut, like started dressing all like you know hardcore again and like became a a bomber again. Like, what if she just like was like, fuck you, I'll become the villain, and they had to like talk her down? Wouldn't that have been fun? I feel like like season one fee, we could have we we could have done that with season one or two fee. I think at this point she is too good of a person for that to be believable. But I do think that would have been a fun plot line. Moral center of the show now. I know. It's very, very strange. Oh, her and Jesse, I think. Jesse to a lesser extent, but they do sort of have their own thing. Yeah, that's their kind of thing that they have. Yeah. Is there good, violent, hot headed people? Yes. Let's talk about spy tips. Intelligence agencies choose their foreign command centers with a few things in mind. You want a place that's near main roads, but not on them. It's best if the owner is on payroll or is controllable in some other way. You want power for the computers, air conditioning for meetings, and a generous late checkout policy in case an operation goes wrong. Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah, I feel like that's that's useful off, not on main roads, but near them. Uh, You know, the way to keep the owner in check like that's something that's that's picking oh, a yeah, good meeting that's place. Solid. i'll take it all right number two when you're recruiting an asset from a hostile country you're you pose as a citizen of one of your target's allies someone who would never help the united states for example might be perfectly happy to help a russian this is one of those things that seems obvious but also i could 
take it if you felt strong. Yeah, I, I, I thought that. Yeah, I, I thought that was useful. Like, I, I might not necessarily like go there first. I would just be like, all right, what kind of American could I be to get this guy on my side? Instead of just being like, we could probably fast track this by just being Russian. So I guess that, that makes sense to me. Because, like, usually it's like, if the guy's Russian, be Russian. If the guy's Polish, be Polish. Uh, but in this case, it's like, no, pick an ally. Not necessarily like him. You know, Michael's a white guy. He only has so many modes he can be. <laughs> so pick one that makes sense for this particular guy's proclivities. I like the way that you say proclivities. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. This one can stay. All right. Uh, number three, magicians and mind readers often use a technique known as shotgunning, in which you determine what your target is thinking by throwing a bunch of information at them and reading their reactions. Is this the same thing as cold reading or is it different? Cold reading is different because like it's you're not putting so much information out there like you're you're kind of slowly weaving a tail. Shotgunning is I'm going to put three names out there, see which one you react to. Okay, now I know which one to go with. I thought shotgunning was when you drank a whole thing of alcohol really quickly. <laughs> that's that's a, a synonym, not a Got it. Cool. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's fine. This can say. Yeah, this can say. Number four, the challenge of a good large-scale field operation is to keep all parts coordinated while keeping them as separate as possible. Field units are separate from transportation units with the big command unit separate from both. When both, when things go right, they all work together. Separate from what? Team. Free Castellini? Both. With an L. Both. Both. A both Here's the thing. Cereal. I'm going to be, like, I'm going to say both. No, you're like, not. You're gonna you're gonna get lazy one of these days, and I'm gonna. No, keep here's it in. the thing. I think about my voice on podcasts too much now. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm gonna very say aware of how for I the sound. both of us. Number four, the most vulnerable system in any reinforced structure is typically ventilation. Holes that let in air can also let in other things, like the explosive cores of concussive grenades, for example. They are a high quality explosive and quite effective. Of course, you have to get them in place without blowing your hands off. Ah, uh, yeah. And paired with what we see him do and how they rig it, makes sense to me. No, it makes sense to me, yeah. All right, number five. A well-trained police force knows that the first priority in arriving at a scene is to establish a perimeter and lock down the area. You let them do that, the chances are you're not getting out. That's why it's important to make sure they have a higher priority when dealing with a more urgent threat. Uh, like dealing with a more urgent threat. If you have enough ammunition and a good oscillating fan, you can keep them busy dealing with your gun while you're busy getting away. I feel like this is almost two tips, but I think- I, I was going to so. say, yeah, the wiki considered it one tip and it is technically one tip, but I agree with you. Like the, you know, getting surrounded is one thing. The hooking up a gun to an oscillating fan is a second thing, but both, uh, y- you know, whether they're apart or or together, I like, I like them. I thought that was useful. I like it. And Clever. I think, like, if we were, I think if this was tip four, I would have, like, said that, like, it doesn't need it to be two separate tips to pass, but, you know. Yeah. But, like, I think if it did, I would allow it. Yeah, I agree. All right. So that's five practical spy tips. So it gets a check mark on that. Um, did this case, you know, if we're going to call it a case, get solved via it's spycraft over violence? Uh, I don't know. They do do a lot of violence. Although yeah, but they also do spycraft. He he's Vasily with a bad Russian accent. You know they yeah, no. they use fees stuff to take you know to cut off a choke point. 
they use the oscillating yeah. fan to escape. No, yeah, totally. There's definitely spycraft. I, yeah, I, I think that it's spycraft enough to get past that. Oh, totally. Are we considering the, ceiling, the ce- <laughs> Yeah. The fact that you said that he's returning, I didn't realize that this was a returning alias. The last name reminds me. I think this is a name we've used before. Oh, like, so you I'm like, that for sure? I'm pretty sure. I like I remember him being him calling himself Vasily when he has a Russian accent before. I mean, either way, like, I think if it was a returning alias, I might be a little more, like, friendly to it. But, like, yeah, there's not a lot to it. He's just a guy who has a bad Russian accent. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't really, he doesn't seem to have, like, a point of view. He doesn't seem to have no. a characterization other than where's black is Vasily. No, I think. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's I don't memorable. Think so no. It, listener keen eyed listeners keen eared listeners if you re- also like me remember keen the name knows vasili, listeners keen knows listeners if you sniff out that i'm right that vasili was a thing drop us a line let us know uh because i swear to I god think- i've heard this full name before the andropov or whatever his last name is i swear he's used this name before Please somebody validate my my reminder, remembering or tell me I'm racist for thinking all Russian names sound the same. Whichever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm opening myself up to it. Anyway, but I think even if it, he has used the name before, like, it does. Yeah, he, it, I don't think Vasily's ever alias. had anything consistent other than like Russian. Being Russian is not an alias. This isn't season one, Matt. This is season five and we have standards. All right, so uh, at least two of the supporting characters need to be used well in order for this to be a great episode of Burn Notice. So, did Fee get to blow something up? Yes, she did. She super did. Did Sam get to be peak Bruce Campbell? Did he? He was dis- He didn't get to be Chuck Finley, which I do think took a little bit of the soul out of his performance uh-huh. when he was kind of like on the on the road. Yeah. Um, I do he- always enjoy them being a married couple, though. I do enjoy them being in a married couple. And he did, like, as soon as they got to the hotel, they were, like, complaining about having to be in a room together. And Max is like, well, you know, take something from the mini bar as, like, an apology. And and Sam's like, I... I, I forgive you. <laughs> and like, and then later on, he's like, hey, I got to get back to the hotel. There's half a bottle of tequila waiting for me. And they look at him and he's like, what? I'm on vacation. <laughs> so yeah. he is drinking a lot. And the first time we see him, he's just like hanging out with Madeline, his best friend, and drinking that beers over true. a car. I mean, that I don't know if he's peaked Bruce Campbell, but he, he had some good little moments. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll give it to yeah. him. So officially this one works. Uh, Jesse was not a distinct addition rather than a redundancy. He's just sort of the ghost of what Michael Weston could have been, um, but refuses to be for some unknown reason. So Jesse is nothing. He was barely in this episode. Um, but Madeline does get a genuine emotional moment with another character. She gets to have the the closure conversation with Michael, which I thought was lovely. Yeah, I did like that. So, yeah. And it's the first time hearkening back to his dad hasn't felt like, oh, we get it. You're all abused. Yeah. Which we get to talk about a lot next week. (laughs) Yeah. Spoilers. We'll talk about next week, next week. (laughs) But yeah, so three of the four supporting characters were used pretty well, um, which means that this is officially a great episode of Burn Notice. But was it a great episode of television? No, nothing happened. No. No, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anything happens. I like so. the fact that they tried to make a point about closure. But it's not I do, enough, too. And it's not like... I don't... Yeah. It, that, I mean, so, it didn't... 
that wasn't a thread the whole episode. Like no one else was like, you know, there was no rule of threes. You know, somebody wasn't like, you know, Michael, it might you might need more than just like learning what happened. Well, no, but I mean, like the whole point is that you set him up as like needing closure. Oh, sure. Like, but like, like, I feel like they didn't talk about it enough for it to be a real. I mean, they like, did repeat the thematic. same thing over and over again. Yeah, but that's not that's not what I mean. No, like, I'm saying it's like in order I'm to weave something. They didn't like develop it a whole lot. Exactly. Yeah, that that's yeah. also what I'm trying to say. No, that's fair. That's it. How do we feel about the beginning of season five? Again, I kind of think that this was them saying that we don't care about the burn notice shit anymore. Like, you know, like the and I, I kind of like that. Hope so. Like that, I think so is a good sign. So you're hopeful that this season is going to be our first like clean break from you know yes. our inciting incident, so that we get to see like what is Michael Weston like without this hanging over his head. Yeah, no, totally. And like, I do. I think... mean, he's still trying to get back into the CIA, but I guess that is different yeah, than trying to figure out who burned. Exactly. Him. He's not. He doesn't have this burn notice. Like he's not mad about that anymore. Like it's still he's trying to get in the CIA. I do think actually my hope and is that actually you were right about max and that this oh, yeah? is a season you about hope my wild fact, speculation yeah this is the season about the fact that like fuck the cia yeah I, i'm hoping well, that this is a fuck the cia season isn't there a season coming up where he's like in charge of a cia team i have no idea i, I think don't that's remember. a thing that happens here's the thing i mean i, I don't, don't remember think... anymore but i remember reading something about it yeah. See, what I'm hoping with the Max thing is that because he was talking about like, you know, we, we have to kill this and then it's it's done. The bad guys are all gone. And I, I was sort of hoping that if Max turns out to be a bad guy, like the one that he gets information out of eventually, it's like it's one of those things where they, Bernardus has to finally like grapple with the fact that it's not bad actors. It's systems. And maybe yeah. the CIA system is too corrupt to save and maybe the best way to help people is to work from outside the system. Um, yeah. That's what I'm hoping happens. I don't know if that will actually happen. I could be. But I, would like I could be. sort of see it. I mean, it's there. I mean, the show has very mixed feelings about the CIA. I mean, but it, like, I feel the same way about like Marvel movies. Like Marvel has like a complicated relationship with the U S government anyways. And you can see that tension in a lot of the Marvel plots where it's like, yeah, USA, but Hydra is like, intricately woven into the gover- u.s government but it's not the u.s government's fault but like the yeah, u.s government is often complicit thing it, to like, the actions of you know yeah that's and so that i feel like is kind of how bernardus does it that is definitely how bernardus does it yeah where they're like ooh, they're complicit but also like they didn't know and it just takes one guy to like notice it but like vigilantes are probably not good like you gotta you he has to want to get back in the system but like the system doesn't really work for like the fun story we want to tell so maybe the system is bad but just bad for him not bad for everyone like you know it, it feels very wishy-washy yeah. and so i'm hoping it's super that maybe they lean into it but yeah i'm hoping who knows that they do too that is my that is my prediction and my hope and also I thought your prediction was <laughs> it was also the fee will get a pixie cut. She fee will get a pixie cut. Fee what will if she get a pixie cut? What if there is a season? What if there's a, an episode where she has to wear like a wig and it's a pixie cut wig? Will that count? I think it will count. I'm very curious, like how they're gonna hide all of that hair under a wig. I mean, you can hide quite. A, like I've hid my hair under a wig before. Her hair and is it's like a lot, much longer but, than. Yeah, yeah but well, mine's fair. thicker. You're, yeah, and I've, I've had long hair. hair. 
Her hair doesn't Her hair look looks longer because she's thin, but my hair like lengthwise is was the same length as hers before I got it cut last week. Does it mine's really? just curly and I'm yeah, well cuz oh, it goes wow, to yeah, like her mid sense. back. My hair was my mid back, but my hair is oh, curly. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. And I my I am larger, so it does not appear as long because like it doesn't lay on my body where it does. Like hers just lays straight down. Mine has to go over, you know, yeah, that makes hills sense. and <laughs> rolling hills and <laughs> So yeah, no. If she wears a pixie cut wig, that counts. Okay. Well, I'm glad that we've established that. Um, yeah. And the other final thing I would like to establish. <laughs> that's what we're following is Max being a bad guy and Fee getting the inevitable pixie cut that will look so, so cute on her. Yeah. Until next time, folks, we would like to once again thank Vincent E.L. for our theme music. You can find more of Vincent's music at vincentel.bandcamp.com. And until we see you again. Goodbye. It would just look nice.